are now tuned in to the Storm Tracker Podcast. Welcome back to the Storm Tracker Podcast. I'm Marcus Benjamin representing CanesCounty.com, part of the Rivals Network. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast. The Storm Tracker Podcast on all platforms, as well as subscribe to his YouTube channel live from Canes County. And today I am joined by John Garcia Jr., the national recruiting analyst for Rivals.com. Thanks for joining me today, John. Good to be back with you, my guy. Always. And he and I are going to discuss recruiting, of course, and some high school ball. John, you were... Uh, in Daytona over the weekend, correct? And uh, you saw you saw some some guys, some dudes uh, out there playing some ball. Uh, you know, uh, Xavier Mincy was, was out there as well as L.J. McCray, two primetime Miami targets. What was your opinion for, from them and, and the whole game atmosphere? Yeah, well, it was certainly good to to get a little bit up north for a different vibe. Uh, Jacksonville Reigns was was their opponent, uh, and there were a lot of prospects on the field, as as you mentioned, but but none bigger, literally, than L.J. McRae, and I think figuratively maybe than than Zay Mincy. I mean, this was this was why you go and hit these in person evaluations because there's questions positionally with both of these guys, right? Mincy's this six, two and a half DB, can he play corner at that size? Or do we just stash him at safety because of the measurables? I'm sure a lot of the colleges are asking some of the same questions. And sure enough, Jamila Adai, um, Corey Raymond, a lot of coaches were out there to get a fresh look at Mincy. And then with McCray, you know, he's always been this tall six, four, six, five, six, six, almost tight end looking cat. And then he's flipped the switch and really, turned another corner defensively over the last year or so, and he's added weight in the process. He says he's up to 270 now. So most of us had him as kind of a classic edge, a modern edge. Now we got to have that conversation. Does he work better inside at the collegiate level, though we don't see it on Friday night. So really good to get fresh eyes on both prospects, both of them clear blue chips. Um, I mean, maybe we have both ranked too low on Rivals.com, and I came away – watching Mincy feeling good about his prospects at corner. And and I'm usually pretty conservative, 6'2 and above at that at that position, but watching him work all night in press, off man, zone, even on special teams and his ability to just purely run, I thought he has a chance to at least begin his college career at the cornerback spot, which I think makes his recruitment a little bit more dramatic. And I think with McCray, we're going to continue having this back and forth. Um, he works exclusively outside and works well there. I think he's got like eight sacks so far in, in 2023. But, you know, 270 with a frame that can carry a lot more, you start to wonder in the projection business, do we slide him in as a defensive tackle instead of a projected defensive end? So sometimes it doesn't mean a whole lot, you know, in, in our business, but we obviously want to try to get it right in the process. But both of those guys – impressed uh look jason taylor was there for a fresh look uh, at, at mccray as well so it was it was definitely one of the games to be at in the state of florida glad we went and, and we'll continue to have more coverage at rivals and canes county uh, going forward with these guys 
Absolutely. Watching some of uh, Xavier Mincy's highlights here. Uh, so you did get a chance to speak to Xavier. Uh, you can check out that article on both KingsCounty.com and Rivals.com. But uh, what was your sense of the conversation? Uh, did you feel like Miami's gaining some momentum there? Or are there some other schools that the Canes should be concerned with here? Yeah, I went into the conversation thinking it was going to be a Miami versus Florida type of vibe. Um, but Mincy says, look, Florida State and Alabama are still under consideration. So take that for what it's worth. But when it comes to Miami, you know, he lit up talking about Adai being there. Uh, he certainly lit up talking about just the run Miami is on, you know, with, with the current roster. That's something that, you know, is obviously, you know, a positive for, for any recruit looking at the U because you're starting to see some of the stuff that Mario Cristobal had been preaching over the last, you know, couple of years now uh, since he got the gig uh, on the turnaround of what it could look like. So starting to see some of that is going to be really big for these recruits. You know, it's another thing we wrote about it at Rivals. That momentum is going to be very real and very quick for Miami. We've already seen it heavy in 25. And I think in the 24 class, guys like Mincy McCray, those guys will certainly, you know, turn the corner a little bit more for Miami. Uh, but the thing with Mincy is he wants to come off the board pretty quickly. Um, so this will be fascinating. Does he get in a couple more visits? Uh, he was at Florida Saturday for that upset win over Tennessee. Does he get in a couple more trips? Can he get back to Bama? Uh, or, or is this pure evaluation mode at this point? You know, that's really where I'm at with him. He's not sure if he can get up to Bama. So I get the sense that he's probably more likely to stay in his home state of, of Florida when all is said and done. Um, and he talked up all three of the schools with Miami, like we said, the momentum uh, and the recent history of, of production is something that certainly has his attention. Uh, he mentioned the legacy of Miami. That tradition means a lot to him. With Florida, he kind of focused on Corey Raymond and, and his long history of, of development, which you would certainly understand going back to his LSU days. And with FSU, it was about Pat Sertan, you know, that, that bond that he's starting to build with with him and obviously his own history. So this is a legitimate battle. I don't think there's a clear favorite at this point. But if you go on optics, he was wearing Miami gloves. He had the Miami towel going. Um, and he, again, he lit up as much as, as any point in our conversation talking about multiple Miami coaches making the trip to go see him. Because obviously from, from Gainesville, it's a little closer uh, to get to Daytona compared to, to Coral Gables. So he thought that meant a lot uh, in terms of where he stands on Miami's board. So um, I don't know if, if Miami's the favorite over Florida. It seems really close between those two in particular, but there's no doubt that Miami has improved its standing for Mincy over the last few weeks. Yeah, it, it's an interesting recruitment to say the least because uh, for me – this gained some momentum, I would say, maybe a couple of weeks ago, and then it just kind of tapered off. It, it just got quiet for a little while, and then all of a sudden, within the past couple of weeks now, uh, you, you're hearing that you know Miami has a good good shot to land uh, to land Mincy, and it seems like that that momentum from the Texas A&M game is is something that is really helping the Hurricanes including with LJ McRae here. Now, LJ McRae obviously is a, you know, outstanding talent. And like you said, Jason Taylor was in the building, so to speak, over there in Daytona to, to, to kind of see him. 
where do you think the hurt did you bro first of all did you get a chance to speak to him and you know just what's your take on where the hurricanes stand with him yeah mccray was was a little bit more non-committal uh, on his timeline on really everything he's he's kind of in the i'm so coveted that it's getting very hard to figure this thing out mode which is probably good for miami because i think other programs coming into the season maybe had a little bit more momentum, more momentum. I think Georgia and Florida in particular probably felt better than Miami coming into 2023. But him being sort of cloudy and and, and non-committal, I think is great. Um, he's he's he was another one that you know was at Miami for the AM game, as you mentioned. Um, he's visited Florida State. He was at Florida this past Saturday. So the big three in state certainly in the mix. And then Georgia Auburn are the other two outliers. Um, and unlike Mincy, he's he's going to stretch this thing out a little bit more. He thinks he could do something in the next five or six weeks. So between now and Halloween, basically, uh, his birthday does lie, you know, late in October. So he'd like to get something done then. But he said, like, he, he was like, look, I wake up every day. And if I think I have to make a decision, I don't know where I'm going. Like he, he's very very tight between a lot of these programs that are after him. And obviously, you know, with Jason Taylor there, you know, he mentioned, Hey, you know, that's a hall of famer uh, coming up here to watch me. You know, that, that says as much as, as it could for, for any coach coming to, to check me out. So obviously Miami has his attention. He's another one who reciprocated that momentum that he got to see firsthand uh, in that win over A&M, how much that means. Um, but on the other side, he's admitted that schematically, there's not a whole lot of differences between these programs. Um, he, he mentioned off the field, there's not a whole lot of difference between some of these programs, but I think it's kind of an NIL uh, play there. Uh, so he really does seem like he's in the thick of it with with all five of the schools. But in particular, I think, um, you know, the Gators, the Canes and Georgia, I think, are the three that are, are really, you know, atop his mind. No disrespect to, to the other schools in the mix there but the longer this thing goes like we said with mincy right that yeah. that momentum the the buzz can come in and out uh so i think with mccray it's it's good for miami that there's a bit of a longer play uh going forward with him um and then in terms of these two guys who, who are close they are teammates both defensive players obviously they they're not stuck on the package deal thing so i want to nip that in the bud before it comes you know comes back around they do have obviously Similar options with with you know Miami, Florida, and Florida State heavy on, on on each of them, but I don't think they go to the same school just to say, hey, you know, we're going to the same school. I think it would be a little bit more coincidental than something that they actually sat down and, and tried to accomplish. Good stuff on uh, there on LJ McCray. Will be interesting to see kind of how it all plays out. Uh, I'm interested to see if it it'll play out into early signing day because it seems like it could. Um, despite, you know, what he may say about maybe closing this thing out in, in October, um, because the momentum is, it seems to continue to build with him as far as his, his recruitment. Uh, I feel maybe other team, other teams or schools are, may jump in the mix here. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Miami, like I said, gaining momentum from that Texas A&M game, and they were able to land two blue-chip talents from the 2025 class, with the first being 
Wade and Charles. So let, let's talk a little Wade and Charles first, because this is a kid I absolutely love. Uh, I think this kid is is a top tier talent in the state of Florida, uh, maybe nationally as well. Uh, I just think he, he has great body control and just catches the ball well and can basically do anything on on the field uh, i think he's up there with you know with the nation montgomery's he's there with uh joshua moore's he's in that class of receivers and uh, it depending on how he fills out within the next year could be considered a five-star type of guy uh, your thoughts on waiting charles and miami landing him this week after that a&m game yeah well i'll, I'll start there marcus uh huge get Huge get for Miami. We we're gonna talk a lot about this receiver class of 25 when we get there. It's loaded. Uh, there's a bunch of, of blue chip type guys. Just even in the Tri County area, there's a bunch of blue chip guys. So I think on both ends of the spectrum, this is big. One big for Wade and Charles to be a take for Miami this early because we talk about they're still trying to finish 24. Hey, take your swings at Jeremiah Smith. We'll see how the rest of the receiver commitment class shakes out and then in 25 now you can be really selective because there's so many great players so for waiting to be a a green light commitment this early says a lot about what miami and kevin beard thinks about Wade and charles's game and obviously you watch the kid and it doesn't take a whole long time to see it right first of all physically so impressive i mean you, you he's the guy you say who is that you know before you know who he is who is that guy because he just looks the part, six foot two, maybe taller at this point, closing in on 200 pounds, just physically looks like a, a classic wide receiver one. And I think that's for Miami um, just as important because they haven't really had that big physical alpha bodied receiver on the roster here over these last couple of seasons. It's been more of tweeners, tight ends, slot receiver types. So I think that physical profile is, is really important for, for Miami to get back on its roster. And then when you watch them play, you're just as impressed, which is really important because you can sort of fall in love with a frame and then say, well, his game's not quite there yet, but for Waden, it is. You're watching the tape here, thousand yard season as a sophomore, and he's kind of up in the competition as a junior at Palm Beach Central. And every time you watch him, he just looks a little bit better. I think as a sophomore, he kind of out-athleted guys in, in the secondary at times. But now, even going back to the, the offseason with DEFCON or at Miami's Legends camp, you, you see more polish in Waden's game. He's setting up defenders better in his route construction. And we know when the ball's in the air, the catch radius, you mentioned the body control, his ability to make that contested catch and win at the catch point has always been there. Um, so that's what you really want to maximize. But in between, you want to continue to see that progression from a polished standpoint. And that's what we've gotten with Waden. And that's why he's, I don't have it pulled up, but he's been one of the steady risers in the rankings for us at Rivals. Every single time we see him, we like him just a little bit more. So if that trend continues, like you said, Marcus, this could be a, a, a top 100 guy, maybe even a five-star when all is said and done. So uh, as ideal a get, and then he's local on top of it, right? He's, he's a Broward Palm Beach guy. So on top of that, an ideal get for Miami from just about every slice of how you look at it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, definitely a great get for Miami. You, we, you talk about him being a five-star. 
Miami already has a five-star committed to the class in Armando Blunt. And this guy is an outstanding talent. Uh, I, I mean, he just – he's everything you want in, in a defensive lineman as far as athleticism, size, strength, quickness. I mean, the fact that he decided to commit when he did, I think, was a bit of a surprise. Um, I think we kind of caught wind of it earlier in the week. And then it just rapidly just kind of moved in, <laughs> moved into a commitment like like wildfire. I mean, yeah. it, it was it was kind of an odd situation. But, you know, uh, why not? though? Why not just get him into the class as soon as possible and just continue to build that momentum? He was also at the game for uh, the Texas A&M game and. You know, he was just thoroughly impressed by by the crowd, by the energy, by the amount of commits that were or recruits rather that were there and commits. Um, so it, it seemed like it was a Florida State Miami battle um, rather than, you know, the five schools that he announced. But he eventually chooses the Hurricanes. Your thoughts on him committing to Miami's 2025 class? I mean, you could you could put the blunt commitment up there with just about any commitment Mario Cristobal has landed at Miami. And you could argue that, that it's just as important, if not more important from, from any perspective, you know, premium position guy, pipeline school, Miami central, even before that he was at Dillard, um, a, a guy who is as coveted as any, you know, Jeremiah Smith, Jojo trader, throw in any of these names. He's got as many scholarship offers and as many colleges after him, as those guys, uh, productive already. And he had six sacks in the opener in 2023. Um, and he's a, a four plus, a 4.0 plus GPA kid on top of it. So no matter how you look at this commitment, this is arguably the biggest Mario has brought in. And then if you look at the recruitment, like you said, this was a, a Miami FSU battle and FSU had some real momentum here. I think yeah. late in the summer going into the season, if you had to make an early forecast, because, you know, we didn't know he was about to drop the top five and, and commit, you know, in, in mid-September, you'd probably say Florida State was the favorite going into the 2023 season, which is, you know, just sure. it's a month old at this point. So for Miami to scratch and claw, get multiple visits, get that game visit out of him, I, I think says so much about how quickly things can change when, Things are clicking at Miami. It's something that every Miami fan has probably said his or her entire life. You know, when things are clicking down here, it's mm -hmm. different. And I think the blunt recruitment, as you said, how quickly it went from a top five to a top one and a public commitment, just a couple of days, it seemed like that type of momentum and surge, I think, says a lot about Miami's recruiting ceiling. You know, this this just should put everybody on notice, even though he's local. Every program should be on notice that, look, when Miami's clicking, this is a reminder that they can go out and grab any recruit, no matter how coveted, no matter, you know, which programs are, are trending for him at a given moment. So this was a really massive get for the Canes uh, optically, uh, literally. And then, look, you, you watch the tape. You know, he's, what, a top five player in the country next year. He'll be in the running for number one overall as long as he stays in that class of, of 2025. Uh, again, we mentioned the high GPA. He could come even sooner than we realize to Coral Gables. So 
this this blunt recruitment commitment should be treated as if he's a crown jewel to me in the 24 class. Uh, that's how big it is. This should feel for Miami fans as big of a win as as flipping Jeremiah Smith would be. I, I truly feel that way. He is that gifted on the edge, 6'3", 250. He's got this frame that that can carry a little bit more weight. He can work outside in down the line, which is exactly what you want from a you know potential number one draft pick type of, of edge rusher. And, and the production is, is, of course, there on top of it. I think he even scored a touchdown uh, against Booker T a couple weeks yeah. back. So he, he does everything, and, and that's exactly what you want on, on any defense, especially Miami's. Yeah, he kind of looked like a linebacker when he's going. Uh, I mean, uh, a running back. Sorry, <laughs> I meant to say what when he picked up uh, that football. I mean, he's just got tremendous athleticism, and yeah, it's just a huge get from Miami. And yeah, he could reclass as a twenty twenty four class, which is what I'm hearing. It's still he's kind of on the fence about it, from what I hear. Uh, but if that happens, I mean, wow. I mean, that'll be a huge, huge get for the 2024 class which is already a top 15 class so we'll see what happens i mean uh, things change and we know these uh these young 17 year olds check uh or 16 year olds i believe he is (laughs) which is amazing wow (laughs) uh you know change their minds all the time so we'll we'll see and continue to monitor that recruitment as he will be in action on Thursday against Chaminade, who's a top five team at this point. Central, they did suffer a loss to uh, a really good Bishop Gorman team, arguably, you know, the best team in the entire country. Uh, it, was, it was a close game to the end there. Uh, but now they face a Chaminade team who's hot. I mean, they, they, I saw them against American Heritage last week. They were clicking on all cylinders. I mean, uh, American Heritage is a really good team, and they blew the doors off a really good St. John's team out of D.C. earlier this season, and Chaminade just dismantled them on, um, on Friday night. Uh, the, 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 the score is, is not indicative of what, uh, how that game really, you know, eventually played out um i i thought chaminade kind of maybe you know took their foot off the gas pedal in, in that game and I, I think they were looking to more to just kind of run the clock out so american heritage kind of worked their way back into that game but jeremiah smith john i mean he's just he's just an outstanding talent i i don't know if you've seen a talent better than him actually let me just ask that have you seen a talent that's better than jeremiah smith not at the receiver position you know i, I think when we're talking just football players um, this is a guy who can truly do anything you know when you're when you're 6 210 returning punts against a team that has 15 to 20 saturday players and maybe some sunday players on that roster and you're untouched in that. I mean, come on. I mean, this is it's one thing to run a, a go route and, and beat a corner one on one and or win over the top, whatever it is. When you're returning punts untouched against Broward County elite competition, I mean, that's that's as big of, of a of a statement as you can make. So, 
Yeah, Jeremiah Smith is is generational. I don't think there's any debate uh, for that. I've I've been doing this. This is my 13th season covering the future of of college football. Never seen a receiver like this. And we've obviously covered, you know, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and Stephon Diggs and basically all the great NFL receivers right now. We covered at some point at the prep level. Nobody commanded the attention, even Heisman winner Devontae Smith. Nobody commanded the attention that Jeremiah has and has lived up to it thereafter. Um, you know, so I, I think he's he's just got the, the full package, 6'3", 210, polished as any receiver in the country, as great a, a combination of hands and body control as any receiver in the country, straightaway speed, he's got power. And, and I think what separates Jeremiah at the catch point, despite the physical, which is which is what you're seeing here on tape, is his edge. He's got a switch yeah. that when he flips it, it turns into like a Julio Jones kind of, oh, I'm not only going to just, you know, put up yardage and touchdowns and all of that. Like, I want to physically dominate you in the process. You know, it becomes something unique to where you get into that Julio Jones, Calvin Johnson territory where it's like there's just physical domination happening at the wide receiver position. And it's not something we see or probably talk about enough um, in our sport. We just don't see it, right? It's a finesse yeah. game, right? It's 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 route runners, it's it's speed, it's timing, it's it's those kind of plays that that have dominated the highest levels of, of football. But this is a, a throwback physical competitor on top of all these God given traits and polish that he has, you know, put together. So, yeah, it's as, as a wide receiver. Uh, I didn't. I missed the Julio Jones, Calvin Johnson window when they were in high school, but I've been here since that point, and he's the best I've covered. And it's not particularly close. No disrespect to to Smitty, Jetters, Stefan, all those great players. Uh, right. At this stage, Jeremiah is that guy more so than they were at their respective schools. I'm glad you pointed out the edge that he has because that's what I saw Friday night. Uh, he's. When, when he's in game mode, he's he's completely locked in. And he's just thinking about just dominating on every single play. You see that effort from him on every single play. And even on defense, John, he, he, was, he was playing safety uh, last week. And I forget which receiver from Heritage caught the ball on the sideline, but he just destroyed him on the sideline jeremiah jeremiah smith did um to to the point where the crowd was a one of those ooh moments you know it was just yeah he, he just and the game with that heritage it should be said too right <laughs> right exactly yeah. exactly he plays with that edge to me like like andre johnson played with that edge I mean, he kind of reminds me more so of him as as far as physically you know how he can dominate in uh his his opponent and when it comes to speed, yeah, it, it's, it's kind of like Julio Jones when it comes to the side, size and speed combination. So, I mean, uh, it's crazy for me to combine traits of two. Yeah, like look at these names we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, crazy. two players that, you know, likely, very likely will be in the Hall of Fame. Um, it's, it's just unbelievable. So I can't wait to see what he does Thursday night at Traz. Um, but, you know, just to kind of – you know, give your opinion on, on this game and, and what to expect. Um, 
you know, obviously we'll see Jeremiah Smith and we'll see Zaquan Patterson, uh, Miami commits J Zaquan Patterson and JoJo Trader. And of course, Miami commit now Armando Blunt. Um, but what are you expecting to see kind of in this game? And who are some of the players and matchups that other players besides the ones that I mentioned that we should be looking out for? Yeah, this will be fascinating, right? This is the game of the year in South Florida, which alone, you know, that alone says a lot. Um, I think a lot of people have had this one circled for, for some time. Um, Dade's best versus Broward's best, I think we can actually say at this point, uh, Miami Central yeah. versus Chaminade. I'm looking for fireworks. I, I think Chaminade is, like you said, so hot right now, probably hard to bet against. But if there's one program, where you feel like they've got this combination of culture um, and offensive and defensive star power, Miami Central might be the perfect program to try to slow down what Chaminade has been able to do. You know, they've got a multi-quarterback system, and and all two or three of those guys are, are D1 prospects with scholarship offers. They've got like four or five different running backs that rotate in and out. Uh, yeah. of, of that rotation. They don't rely on any one guy, so they will be fresh to combat that that Chaminade um, front seven, which is a good one. Uh, but certainly, I think Miami Central's got as many strengths as Chaminade does when the central offense is on the field. And they've got their own set of game breakers, right? I think Amari Wallace is one of the best safeties in South Florida. He'll pilot that defense for Central. Wayne McCoy is a two-way star for the Rockets that I think, you know, he's one of these guys kind of like Jojo trader and skill set to where no matter where he lines up, he can be a problem. So I think the Rockets have plenty of stars to combat what Chaminade is going to do, but it's just, it's almost like for the, for the lions, it's like this team of destiny. These guys are all seniors in the same, you know, in the same year, Cedric Wilson, Jojo Gauls, uh, and we don't even talk about those guys. Those are legitimate four-star ACC football players in the future. Um, I just think they've got a little bit too much going offensively to truly uh, be weathered down. But again, how do you do it? Go affect the passer. And that is what Central's built for with Blunt and, and Randy Adarico, who's a guy in that 25 class who's really – been a stock up type over the last year closed out a, a great year last year gained some weight moved inside and looks like the perfect complement to that elite edge that is uh, armando blunt uh, but they've got a bunch of guys on that defensive line uh so that that's the matchup to me can that central front affect cedric bailey and slow down that running game enough to make shaman on one dimensional because they've got the secondary to maybe hang with Chaminade, with with uh, Amari, with if Wayne McCoy is going to play some corner that game, when he probably should be on Jeremiah Smith. You know, that could be a matchup where you could see some success. So I think yeah. that's really the key to the entire game because um, on the other side of it, I do think Miami Central will score, but nobody's been able to outshoot Chaminade in, in that offense. So that's that's really the key for me. But it should be a fun one. And and I think it will live up to the hype as game of the year. That atmosphere at Traz will be something to remember for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Excited to see it. Excited to see how it all plays out. Um, I totally agree with you. I think this game is one in the trenches. Uh, can they really stop that vaunted pass rush of Miami Central with Armando Blunt and Randy Arterica and 
uh, T.A. Cunningham. I mean, they, these these are guys. These are huge, huge human beings <laughs> at a very young age. So we'll we'll see if they can get some pressure on Cedric Bailey. Yeah, and then the, on the other side, you know, I do expect J.C. Evans uh, to to make some plays with with his legs and in the air. And uh, Louis McCoy is is going to be relied upon to make plays on both sides of the football. Um, so. Should be a fun one at Traz, like you said. It was a fun one here on the Storm Tracker podcast, as always, with my guy, John Garcia. Make sure you subscribe to Rivals.com for more information from John about recruits in the Southeast. He covers Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. Also, remember to subscribe to CanesCounty.com. Use the promo code Miami30 for the first 30 days for free and also nice. subscribe subscribe to this uh, podcast on all platforms and this YouTube channel on uh, uh, live from Canes County. Thanks again, John, for joining me and I'll see you again another time. Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care.